0: Today's episode is called Tethering an Online Community for Men's Mental Health, featuring guest Addison Brasil.
1: All men attempting to grapple with anxiety and depression need a place to go to for support. Addison Brasil has focused his energy on building Tether, an online community for men to seek the help they need.
0: What I admire is that the work that you do comes from an authentic and loving place. Are you able to share what inspires you to be an advocate for men's mental health?
1: Yeah, absolutely. One thing I always find myself saying is that I never really had any intention of working in mental health or exploring it professionally at all. But in my 20s and and when I was of coming to the decision of what I wanted to do with my life, I experienced three very pivotal life experiences. I lost my brother to cancer when I was about 20 years old. And then three years after that, I found my father after his own suicide, which really opened up my mind just completely to the world of mental health and how necessary it is. I kind of from there went on to explore every way possible of still being here and enjoying my experience and learning to thrive, finding every mental health tool I possibly could. And on the cusp of celebrating that I had done that for myself, I was in a really bad accident here in Los Angeles that that killed a dear friend of mine and left me relearning to walk and sort of making sense of the world again. And at that point, I kind of describe it as a ground zero and just As if you were trying to run Windows on an Apple computer, I just, the operating system no longer worked. And in order to overcome what I had been through, I really had to start over and attach a lot of meaning and purpose to how I moved forward.
0: you were quite young when when all this happened. How old were you when all this happened?
1: So when my brother passed, I was 19. And then it was about four years later when my dad passed, I was 24. And then the accident happened, I believe I was about 29. So all through my 20s, which anyone going through their 20s knows that it's hard enough to figure out what to do with your life and and build your life and and all that stuff. So to have these three really comparative and complex grief process that centered around trauma happening at the same time, definitely made mental health such a, a primary focus for me whether I liked it or not, to be honest, yeah. I can sympathize with, with losing
0: someone to suicide. One of my friends, she, she committed suicide before she was about to turn 25. There's just so much was going on, work, relationships, it just became too much, and ended up becoming an advocate for women's health as well as men's mental health too. So I'm so grateful that you're speaking about, about this more, and and going on podcasts and writing about it. I also read your, your most recent article that you, you posted yesterday.
1: Oh, thank you. And and yeah, I mean, I, I think that then you'll know that there's sort of this imprint that's left on you. And there's something for me that can only be filled by really trying to solve part of the problem that leads to the suicide statistics and just the mental health challenges in general. I find a lot of purpose and meaning and being a part of the solution when I couldn't necessarily be a part of the solution specifically for my own father I can be in a in a bigger way and as I'm sure you have started to notice in doing this um, and I've definitely noticed in building tether and um, which I'm sure we'll talk about you know in building tether and then starting to share my story like you said with the article is there really is so much of a community around this and what i always thought had to be such an isolating process dealing with grief and the mental health challenges that that come with it but i always thought was so isolated an individual can actually be something that you can do alongside an entire community and i think that's been my biggest takeaway is just in realizing that getting rid of that isolating lonely factor because the experience is lonely enough when was seeing
0: your dad growing up what did you feel like he needed that he wasn't
1: getting the main in retrospect of course the main thing that I really am able to look at is just the privilege my my generation even in a sense my inheritance was when my dad passed was was taking on and prioritizing mental health education I mean I would just say that it didn't really exist it wasn't something that It wasn't something that was known and not talked about or dismissed as not manly or anything like that, but it certainly wasn't something that he was brought up to learn to prioritize and to nurture and to check in and even to track. I think that the furthest that maybe like his vocabulary around it would be probably something like mental illness and that's something like just with your physical health that you only tend to if there's something wrong which in his case, he did uh, close to the end of his life, reach out and he he did. But when things compound over time, I imagine it was maybe too late to start an entire mental health journey at a point of crisis. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, I was so inspired to come on board with my co-founder Matt and build Tether because one of my biggest takeaways is, for us all, to build a support system before a life event deemed it necessary because we'll all come against great struggle and challenges and, and they may not be as traumatic and movieish as mine have been in the sense of how they've happened, but we will come up against great challenges and really be tested. And so to put support around that and just put community around that before you're in a place of absolute need or crisis is something that I definitely try to encourage whenever I get the opportunity to, to speak or share.
0: Community is something that a lot of men and even boys struggle with. Something that I've seen from women is that they like to, to really support each other. If someone's going through a mental health issue, they all surround her. Whereas for men, it's a lot harder. They're usually left on their own. How does your, your app tether help in building community?
1: Yeah, I think what's different is one, we've created a safe space specifically for men. So there's no question of whether or not it's inherently masculine or not to show up in that space because obviously it's it's a home for men to start to partake in their emotional fitness journey, to get in the arena, to make mistakes, to share, to find comfort. That's all there. In addition, everybody on there is a peer. So there's no hierarchy There's nobody getting a diagnosis from being on there. They're able to be the expert of their own experiences and show up there. And I think one of the most exciting parts about my job in building the brand and trying to create impact is figuring out what the barriers are specifically for men and how we can adjust things to make it more likely that they're willing to activate within a mental health community. That's where, like, my passion really comes in. And I think for men, one thing that both the research that we've seen and and we've seen in our own experience with Tether now over the last few years is men truly respond to modeled behavior by other men that they trust. I think this gender-informed peer programming is such a goldmine for the men's mental health problem. You know, we have 78% of men dying of suicide right now. Like it's disproportionately men that are dying. And I think that the more and more we create communities like this where it's absolutely normalized to show up again, not just when you're in crisis, but you know, in your daily life to start a mental health regime the same way as you would with physical health. You know, I think the more and more we see that and the more and more that behavior is modeled, there is that ripple effect.
0: Definitely. The 2020 pandemic really affected everyone's mental health. It really exacerbated that. Was- what did you see had to affect mental health during 2020?
1: It's funny because my co-founder and original founder of tether when he wanted to create this you know he was looking to create he he was a lucrative hedge fund manager he had this formative experience in a men's group and he was also grieving and dealing with a lot of mental health challenges at the same time i was right after my accident this idea of coming up with a solution for men's isolation and loneliness like i remember in the original days we found one stat. i believe it it was something Just drastic that like less than 50% of men over 30 have one person they can talk to. That certainly wasn't my experience. So he was coming to it going, I want to build the community that I never had in this way. And I was looking back at the last decade after just experiencing my surviving my own bout of suicidal depression going, okay, what was the glue? How am I still here? And it was community. So if there was a way to create that for other people, then that's really where the interest came. And so we discovered the more we researched this men's mental health epidemic that was happening between the suicide rates and just the the willingness to partake in services and just how it wasn't 93% of men, they were finding that they didn't feel that the way masculinity was portrayed was how they felt, yet it was still something that was making them feel less than. But so that all these things were coming together at that time, and we really were, were finding this men's mental health epidemic. And right as we were on the cusp of setting up to start to solve that problem, we find ourselves in a world pandemic where what we're being told the solution to is to isolate. We're realizing at that very moment that isolation and loneliness is, you know, is really leading to this epidemic of male suicide. So we were very energized and very passionate to really get to work obviously when the pandemic started. And we, we just sort of aligned as like an optimal tool that could exist in this world where we would quarantine and lock down. And it's been very interesting and very cool to see men who felt they didn't have connections to anybody make friends across the world and peer support connects across the world at a time when you weren't allowed to travel It's
0: an amazing thing that you and your co-founders have built can you explain more on how it works
1: yeah absolutely so tether is a emotional fitness and peer enabled support platform for all men And what that is, is a 24-7 hour access to support in your back pocket. That was the number one thing that we wanted to make sure men had. We have crisis resources on the app, but what we were really creating was a culture and a community of peer support, where you could find someone just like you when you needed it most. Life has become this 24-7 nonstop thing. And yet our access to support and our, our access to finding other people who are struggling was not 24-7. You know, in some ways it was almost slotted into an one hour a week support group if you were even aware of one or therapy if you could afford it. It was almost like you had to schedule when you needed support and help out of your entire week, or or when you could tend to it. So we really wanted to show up that way. And then as we've iterated and grown based on thousands of hours of interviews with the men in the community, which is now 10,000 guys strong. We started to build tools that men feel they can really use. So our one-word check-ins on a daily basis are something that men can do to take an emotional inventory. We have an emotional fitness tracker, which allows men to privately track how they're feeling, keep notes, and then they're able to use that in any way that they want. One thing that I found in my struggles that really inspires me about the Emotional Fitness Tracker is whenever I was seeing a mental health professional and being asked how I was doing, I could only really remember when I was doing really badly and that's what I was reporting back. But then as I started to track my emotional fitness in my own journey and now every day on the app, I realized actually how well I'm doing, how the norm is actually how well I do, yes, there's three or four days where I really struggle within my grief or depression or whatever is coming up for me, but I would have just focused on those three or four days when I went to see a doctor that primarily I was seeing for those struggles. Whereas now I'm able to look at this greater picture and go, well, you know, on my emotional fitness tracker, actually, I guess I was only like in sort of any sort of deep sadness three days of the month, but I would have come back and said, you know, I had a really bad month because of these three days. It's very interesting the way the tools form. And then what we've also built is our emotional fitness pods program. And so what that is, it's our flagship program where men can come together. They're paired with four to five other men. It's led by a coach, it's all done digitally, and they go through sort of a program or syllabus, but they do it as a pod. So they learn experientially together, they get the behavior modeled, but they're still being guided by someone who's obviously educated and and is dedicated to them thriving.
0: What I really like about the app is that you also help people remember that there's also good things to celebrate in people's lives. You, You can tend to focus on just the negative it's also important to also celebrate those good things
1: too. Absolutely. And I I will admit that I actually learned that I facilitate the pods every week. That really hammered in, sitting there as the peer facilitator with the coach. Um, At the time it was Chris Wilson, an everyman coach who, who designed our program originally. And I just realized how much celebration really has to go into your mental health journey. And how much celebrating every micro moment of awareness is part of this and so that's what's funny is because sometimes I'll, i'll hear people say well you know i didn't really struggle that much so i don't need that my favorite thing to tether is when i am doing well and my favorite thing to read is is when other guys are doing well and to to be able to see both sides of it and that's why when you're able to check in with an emotion, we have the full spectrum. We we don't just put the emotions that people see as inherently negative or a struggle, you know, they're all there. And that's also part of you learning the emotional literacy of you're not always just when you clock in. And we tend to, like I said, clock in when we're feeling negative. And so there's a lot of room there. And God, it's so exciting how many micro opportunities there are to celebrate when you really start to own in on it. What
0: are some of those micro opportunities to celebrate?
1: I think a lot of us, we have this thing where we either did it or we didn't do it right. But there's this whole middle point of when we become aware of our behaviour and we become aware of how we take care of ourselves. I will celebrate like my favourite football team just won the Super Bowl now when I realised that I had, let's say, a tinge of loneliness mixed with fear. And instead of doing one of my old learned behaviors to do that, I was just aware of it in the moment. Like that little micro celebration, Is such a huge wedge in my own well-being to be able to stop, acknowledge that and then not need to be fixed. It's just about honoring, right? That's my biggest thing, as I always say, especially when it comes to grief or mental health. It's not something you fix. It's something you honor and you do it daily. There's no retreat. There's no flash sale like we're doing this for the rest of our lives. Whatever comes up, you honor it, right? So it takes away the weight of the problem or the challenge needing to be fixed. Right. If you're just, if you're able to honor it. And then instead of only celebrating when there's a hard solution, you celebrate the fact that you were aware. And that's changed, like personally, my life. And like as a peer, all I can really share is the expert of my experience. But that's what I see again and again as I witness other men go through the PODS programming. It's that, that opens up a whole door that I just don't think that many of us grew up even knowing was possible. I never even thought to celebrate that I was aware that I was disappointed in myself, if that's what it was, or the quality of challenge to celebrate, well, wow, a year ago, I would have prayed for this challenge. And it's like, so it's the quality of challenge. And it really does get to a place where I feel like you have this emotional literacy that really serves you into just leading a better life and finding meaning and purpose a lot easier.
0: Definitely. One of the things that you said in your your article is that Robin Williams was an inspiration to you. Mm-hmm. Can you? Can you explain how so?
1: Yeah, so the article that was just in a, in Los Angeles Magazine, which I was so excited that I I got to share during Suicide Prevention Month a year ago. In Suicide Prevention Month, I was asked to speak at something called Hope Rising that Kevin and Hines had put on. And Kevin Hines, for those of you that don't know, is a friend and advocate, he's one of the very few people who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and lived. So his story is very compelling, and his immediate regret and knowing that that's how he felt, you know, is really powerful for a lot of people. When we did the event last year, the keynote speaker was Zach Williams, which is Robin Williams' son. And it was just such a weird experience for me that became the seed of this article, which of course the listeners can read, but seeing Zach up there, I, I was just forced to remember that, you know, in the 90s, me and my dad sitting there and just like watching every Robin Williams movie, but specifically Mrs. Doubtfire. And I'm sitting there and I have like goosebumps going, how did his son and me end up on the same virtual stage talking about suicide crunch loss? And we both had these fathers that were just larger than life and always looking for the joke and made so many people so happy. My dad did that of course in a community way but zach of course shared that with the world and when it was very hard to describe to people what the shock was when my dad passed away because it was much like what people felt when robin williams did it seemed like the person that this could never happen to because of the way my dad's spirit was so in a way when robin williams passed he became a metaphor and an opening for empathy and understanding that didn't exist before. People immediately, when I said it was kind of like Robin Williams, they immediately got it. They connected and they went, oh, I get what you're saying. And so when I got to connect with Zach through that and and he agreed to chat with me, we finally got to um, hang out virtually because it was COVID. There was this, this amazing experience of me just like wanting to thank him for sharing his loss with all of us in a way but also just realizing and coming together that we were in the exact same place and in the exact same community. And, and there's no hierarchy of loss. There's just loss. And and when we share with each other like that and build community around it, how powerful it can be. So it's, it's a really cool, interesting story. When I moved to Los Angeles, like, you know, I never thought that, you know, that would be like how I ended up in Los Angeles magazine to tell this story. But what a beautiful one to tell about this magical kind of connecting that that brought everything full circle and and me getting to say thank you and learn from somebody i mean zach is incredible he's he's such an avid mental health advocate and recovery advocate and he's really paved the way and so i just um i was so honored to to get to thank him in that way and and to share the story of both of our fathers and I had gotten a lot of really cool messages and DMs and emails since the article went live of other people letting me know who they've lost to suicide or what their mental health challenges are and just how nice it was to just, like we keep saying, to feel not so isolated by reading it. That's where it matters, is to hear those things back.
0: Zach has become a huge proponent for for mental health awareness and even did the the documentary with Oprah and...
1: Yes, yes. William. Absolutely. Yeah. And he he's experienced, obviously, the loss of his father and then had his own challenges. So there's so much to learn from him. And, and what I learned the most from Zach when I see him speak and when I've gotten to interact with him is just the grace and integrity that he brings to that journey. He really is, you know, the ultimate tetherman in the sense of how he shows up as a peer. There's no hierarchy, there's no sort of, you know, up in the ivory tower talking to you about mental health. You know, he's really on the ground floor offering to be the expert of his experience in the hopes that it will help other people. And so I really look to that a lot because, you know, it can be hard when you're doing podcasts and, you know, like when I do the news or podcasts or interviews to not get sort of preachy in it, to remember what it's really about. And it's the strength of my story and how that can hopefully help other people. Yeah, I look up to him a lot, and he's always got amazing stuff going on and amazing opportunities for people to connect and get inspired.
0: As we come towards the end of our episode, I have a few remaining questions that I ask every guest. What does living healthier today mean to you?
1: I think for me, it would call back to what I said, where it comes back to letting go of trying to fix anything, and moving into honouring it and just honouring the journey of every day of where you're actually at, showing up where you are and tending to that. I think you can get very lost and sold a lot of things in today's age when you're trying to fix something that doesn't necessarily need to be fixed. It just needs to be nurtured and honoured.
0: Nurtured and honoured and also acknowledged
1: too.
0: (laughs) You've had this tremendous transformation from the time you were 18 to where you are now what would you tell your 18-year-old
1: self? Hold on tight. Um, no. <laughs> I've been asked this question before, and I what I will tell you is I wouldn't give a single hint towards what was coming. I would probably hug him. <laughs> like I Yeah, I would want to go back and wrap myself in bubble wrap and tell myself to, to spend every waking second with my brother and then my father and then all this stuff, but... To be honest, I think if I could have just tried not to fix it so badly, to reverse it, to get so caught up in in all of that, if I could just tell myself to trust my intuition and to ask for help when I needed it earlier, regardless of how normal that was 10 years ago, to trust my instincts when it came to mental health, I definitely knew my my dad was struggling. I thought it what was pretty serious, but it, it just wasn't something that was normally talked about at that time. You know, again, this is pre Robin Williams. So I don't know. I've done all the exercises where you write a letter to your younger self and I just, ha- I have nothing but love for that guy. And I don't know, maybe, maybe a little bit more nutrition, a little bit earlier, <laughs> get a little bit stronger for the, the struggle that was coming ahead. I, I don't know. Yeah. You've transformed into like this
0: amazing gentleman that's now helping other men with their mental health.
1: So I I think that's a huge testament in itself. Thank you, I I really appreciate it. And I am working on fully accepting when people say things like that to me, because I have the tendency to defer it and there's still more to do, but I really do appreciate that. And it is my personal mission right now to accept that. And and like we talked about earlier, to actually celebrate it, to allow it to resonate.
0: Are there any last remaining things you would like to share
1: other than just you know really encouraging anybody I think the theme here has been to check in and to share I think that can be such a strength I'm doing it right now I'm writing my first book it's going to be on grief it's in the works and so I'm sure we can connect again when when we're there with that coming out but but I really realize the responsibility we have with our stories and the power of our stories all in one And I would just say, there's nothing to lose if there's anybody who identifies as male that's listening to this. We're tether, T-E-T-H-R, tether.men. And we're on both app stores. There's no barrier there. It's free to download. And there really is a different world and community that didn't exist before. It didn't exist for my father to reach for. It didn't exist for me to reach for in my suicidal depression, but it exists now. And um, I just hope that everyone joins us because the, the more of us, the stronger and the more normal it gets. And, and we uh, hopefully start to really take down these numbers when it comes to men's mental health.
0: Fantastic. Tetherat. So I've asked you a ton of questions during our conversation.
1: Do you have any questions for me? Yes, of course. Best question of all. What do you love about getting to do this? That's, that would be my one question.
0: What I love is hearing people's stories and their stories positively impacting other people. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what I love. It's just stories that can help people at scale.
1: That's amazing. I'm right there with you. And I just would say keep leaning into it because it, it is incredible what it can do for even just one person too. And you're, you're really facilitating the opportunity for that to happen. So thank you for what you do as well. Having faced a lengthy battle with mental illness himself, this issue is extremely important to Addison's heart. He hopes to combat the idea that men suffering from ailments of the mind are less masculine. Studies have shown that 75% of men admit to feeling anxious or depressed, and Addison has designed an outlet for these men to finally seek the guidance they so desperately need.
0: Share this podcast with one person who you think would benefit from it. Leave a rating and review of the Healthier Today podcast on Apple Podcasts. Our team includes assistant Tania and Akia Sadiya, scriptwriter Brian Arioto, and voiceover Yani Harris. This episode was produced by Resonate Recordings. This was the final episode for season two. From the team at Healthier Today, We hope you have enjoyed these insightful episodes and learnt new ways to care for your own health. Here's to you living healthier today.